Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verses 12. Uh, I apologize in advance. I'm going to do a little bit more reading than I normally do, uh, but I really want to drive home a point today that I think is going to be a blessing to the house of God. Uh, The Bible declares, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument, watch this, in his own honor, not in God's honor, but in his own honor, and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. (laughs) Uh, When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instruction. Now, let's kind of put this particular text in context. You have uh, Samuel, who is the prophet of the Lord. You have Saul, who is the king. And and the way this relationship works is the systems of checks and balances. So the king speaks to the people. um, The prophet speaks to the king. God speaks to the prophet. So if the people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, the king is in place to enforce that. If the king is not doing what he's supposed to do, then the prophet is in place to enforce that. If the prophet is not doing what he's supposed to do, he just die. (laughs) I don't think I want to be the prophet. I'd just rather be the king, maybe the people. Uh, The Bible declares, verse number 14, but Samuel said, because there's some issues going on with King Saul, and Samuel has to stand in and step in place and give him the words that God has given to him. What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul the king. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once, ooh, look at this, y'all. You were once small in your own eyes. Did you not become the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As much as in obeying the Lord to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. 23, powerful for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. God himself has rejected you as king. Wow. Father, now in Jesus name, I want to thank you in advance for just how you're dealing with me in this hour and how you're speaking, you're ministering to me, realizing, God, that I'm not worthy of myself to hear nothing from you, God. So, Father, as you continue to speak to me, I want to speak to your people. But help me, God, to minister, Lord God, with clarity, with understanding, with your divine power resting upon me. Let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... For the past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with this idea of promotion blockers. Somebody shout promotion blockers. Promotion blockers, the foundational text that we have been using is Proverbs 18, 16, where the Bible declares a man's gift, watch this, maketh room for him and brings him before great men. Now, I was at a retirement party uh, last night, and um, a minister friend of mine, mentor and friend of mine, 72 years old, and in the denomination that he's in, um, they make you retire at seven, 72. 
Now, this is what's crazy. This guy, he's a fireball preacher. He's 72, but he preaches like he's 32. I don't even understand why I hadn't brought him in the house yet. I mean, just a fireball of a, uh, of a preacher. So they're making him retire. So I go to the retirement celeb celebration, and um, I wasn't on program, but they called me up to, to give words. And so I, I used this particular scripture, and I gave the analogy that one of my mentors gave to me or, or one of the revelations that my mentor gave to me years ago where he says that your gift, he says, Greg, your gift will bring you before great men. It'll make room for you, but only your character will keep you here. So I was celebrating him, 72 years old, been in ministry more years than I've been alive, and I told the people that he's extremely gifted. We know that because I know his testimony of all the great things that he's done in his career, but I told the people we're not here because of his gift. We're here because of his character, because if he was cheating on his wife, there would be no celebration. If it was some money scandal, there would be, come, come on somebody, there wouldn't be a retirement, it wouldn't be a celebration. And, and I'm standing there as a, as a younger minister, I'm four, 40 years old, 32 years from now, th 32 years from now, I want the same testimony that I'm retiring and people are giving me accolades, not because I was a great speaker, not because I was a great leader, but they're complimenting me because my character clean. Amen. Gifts are a dime a dozen. Everybody can preach, everybody can sing, everybody, everybody can rap, everybody can dance. Gifts themselves are a dime a dozen, but when it comes to character and integrity, it is... So, so, so I'm dealing with this idea of promotion blockers with, with, with this highlighting that God is going to... Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's going to elevate you. You, you, got, you got to understand, you got to understand. If, if it's grass out there, the grass is going to grow. Just a little water, just a little sunshine, and the grass is going to grow. So if the grass is automatically going to grow, then all you need to do is make sure that you get the weeds out of the way that hinder it from growing and be, being all that it desires to be. So a few weeks ago, we dealt, number one, with the promotion blocker, lack of loyalty. And when it comes to loyalty, we highlighted a couple of things. We said that um, there, there are three things that are associated with the lack of loyalty. Number one, timeliness. When, when you're loyal to someone or to something, you ain't late all the time. It's not like you, you know, you ain't never late because things happen. Trains do come, right? But you don't, you're not late all the time. When, 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 you, when, you, when you honor, excuse me, when you're loyal to somebody, there's a proactiveness that you have about the relationship. So when there's an offense in your heart, you don't just allow bitterness to sit there, but you do something because you value the relationship. You're loyal to the relationship, and then we talked about having a guarded speech. It's not that you, you don't say anything, but you're not free just to just speak your mind when you value the relationship. How many know sometimes you need to process what you... <laughs> Anybody like me, you, you wrote an email or you sent a text message and you was mad when you sent it and you hit, you hit send and you were like, ho, 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 wait, wait, wait. When you're loyal, you have a sense of guarded speech, and for sure, you don't gossip about your organization or the people in your life that you say that you love and care about. Lack of loyalty, number two, last week we talked about lack of honor, and, and that was a really, really great message. I really enjoyed teaching that, and we, we highlighted two definitions of honor. Number one, societal honor, and then biblical honor. We said that societal honor is demonstrated when you honor somebody based on what they do their achievements or their accomplishments. So when we honored the graduates a couple of weeks ago, we honored them because they actually graduated. That's okay, but it's not a biblical honor. 
The biblical honor is when you, when, when you honor someone not based on what they have earned, but you honor them based on their position in your life. So the Bible declares, honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say honor your perfect father and perfect mother. It tells the husbands to honor their wives and the wives to honor their husbands. Not your perfect husband nor your perfect wife. If she is your wife, if he is your husband, you give him honor. It's, it's real quiet on that particular note. <laughs> because we embrace societal honor. Honor you for what? You ain't did nothing. You've been in the house all day. <laughs> what you done did up in here? Talking about honor. You ain't getting no honor up in here. <laughs> but you don't even understand. God is wise in what he does because when you begin to speak to somebody as to where they are, there's a tendency for them to want to come up to where you're speaking to them at. If you continue to speak to them where they are, they're going to stay. You think that's going to motivate them to rise to the occasion? No. Because you see me as lazy, I think I will stay lazy. I don't want to disappoint you. So as somebody shout, as believers, now we're the people that's following the word of God. So we don't do societal honor. We, we make it a point to do biblical honor. And in, and, in, and in demonstrating biblical honor, that doesn't mean that people get off the hook. No, no, there is a system when there's a breakdown of communication or there, there's some type of moral failure or something like that. There is a system where, where you get that together. But watch this. Just because you fail to be my daddy, that doesn't mean I disrespect you as my daddy. So today we're going <laughs> to... Today, we're going to deal with pride as a promotion blocker. Dealing with pride. Now, now pride is, is there, there are different connotations when it comes to pride. There's both a negative as well as a positive connotation. Uh, a positive connotation of pride is a sense of one's own worth or healthy or a healthy self-esteem. So when, when, I, when I laid this slide out, the first thing that came to my mind was the, the, the people that, that come to clean the church, the saints that come to clean the church on, on Fridays. Uh, they have a, a healthy pride. And, and the reason I know that is because responsibilities like cleaning the church, you never get noticed that it's you unless the church is dirty. So nobody ever comes to you and be like, wow, this bathroom is fresh. <laughs> nobody ever says, I noticed. There's always toilet tissue when I come in here. You never get complimented. You never get recognized unless there's something that's wrong. But, but these, these ladies, I, I, think it is, I think it's all ladies, they have a sense of pride about themselves. Watch this. Not because they're going to get recognized. They have a sense of pride because my name is on it. And so that's a healthy pride. But I want to deal with the opposite end, this negative connotation of pride. And that is an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, or rank. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is that you? They're going to lie. You prideful and you're a liar. <laughs> Rock with me for a second. Look what the scripture has to say concerning pride. Proverbs 16, 18 declares, pride goeth before Destruction and a haughty spirit before what, y'all? Proverbs 29, 23 says, a man's pride shall bring him, what, y'all? 
low, but honor shall uphold, uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And God says, watch this, God says, I what, y'all? I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I'm trying to drive home a point. James 4 and 6 says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the what, y'all? Prideful people, but he gives grace to the humble. So God himself says, when you got, matter of fact, there's one scripture that declares when you got a prideful look, God don't want to deal with you. Yeah. So I, I want to highlight, and, and just rock with me, please, y'all. Y'all, I'm, I'm feeling good today. I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling really good. I want to highlight this prideful ambition that's in King Saul's life and why it led to his demise, ultimately, which we talked about last week, and him being demoted as king of Israel. Now, just follow me for a second. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 15, God speaks to this man by the name of Abraham. And God says to Abraham that for 400 years, your descendants will be a stranger in a country, not their own. Help me, Holy Spirit. And that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will, God says, I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Now, God is able to prophesy this, not because he's going to put them in slavery. God can foresee what's going to happen. Abra uh, Abraham's going to have a son, Isaac. Isaac is going to have a son named Jacob. Jacob is going to have 12 sons. The second to the youngest son, the older brothers are going to be jealous of him. They're going to sell him into slavery. Once they sell him into slavery, he's going to go into Egypt. He's going to become second in the kingdom. He's going to bring all of the children of Israel there, his father's house, into Egypt. And then he's going to flourish that the whole, the whole nation is going to flourish. A, and he, a new Pharaoh is going to rise. That's going to be jealous of the children of Israel and he's going to enslave them. God knows that that's going to happen. So God says they're going to go into slavery for 400 years, but I'm going to bring them out. So the book of Exodus highlights their time in slavery and when God brings them out. Exodus chapter number 17, verses number eight, the Bible declares, now watch this, putting this in context. This is when they are coming out of Egypt. They're in a very vulnerable position because they've been slaves for 400 years. And watch this. Just because you come out of slavery doesn't mean a slavery mentality has come out of you. So when you have a slavery mentality, the first person that asserts authority over you, you will submit yourself again. So the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, now watch this. Many of us know this story because this is the story where Aaron and Hur sits Moses down. They lift up his arm because the Bible declares when, when Moses' arms are raised, the people, they, they progress, win the battle. When his arms are lowered, then, then the Amalekites win. So the Amalekites come and they attack the people of God as they're coming out of Egyptian bondage. This so upsets God for two reasons. Number one, because it's an unprovoked attack. The children of Israel did nothing to deserve this attack. It was an unprovoked attack. Number two, God is upset is because, watch this, Abraham has a son by the name of what, y'all? Isaac. Isaac has two sons, who? Jacob and who? And Esau. Out of Jacob is the lineage of the children of Israel. Out of Esau is the lineage of the Amalekites. Jacob and Esau are, are brothers, therefore these two nations are cousins. 
Jacob is the one who has the promise. Esau knows that. So the Amalekites should know that the children of Israel are the people that have the promise. So not only is it a unprovoked attack, God is upset because you know that this is the promised nation that I'm going to use to birth the Messiah that's going to bless the entire world. And you're trying to mess up my plan by eradicating my people. God was highly offended and highly upset. So when we get to verse number 14, God is like, God like one of them, he, he, he talked like one of them thugs. When you disrespect him and he don't say nothing, he just know he going to get you. Verse number 14, he said, then the Lord said to Moses, write, write, on, write it on the scroll. Write, write it down. Because what I'm going to do to them, I don't want y'all to ever forget. I'm not going to do it right now, but what I'm getting, when, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I get you. Write this on the scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the name of, he said, I'm going to get rid of all of them. You're going to thread my promise. You're going to thread my plan in the earth. I'm getting ready to annihilate all y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, all y'all. Some of y'all said that like you said it before. Now watch this. God is still talking this in the next book, Deuteronomy. He, he says again, Rem remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came up out of Egypt? When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your, on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of me. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land, he is giving you to possess and as an inheritance. You shall blot out the name of God. Serious. Look at your neighbor's the neighbor. You don't want to play with God. You just don't want it, you know. But because you gotta understand, some of y'all, some of y'all say, well, sin is just sin, sin is just sin. And, and I can I can argue with that. Okay. So, so if one guy, if he looks lustfully and he imagines um, committing uh, adultery with a, with a married woman, okay, that's a sin. Can we, can we agree with that? Okay. One guy imagines it. The other guy, he doesn't imagine it. He actually uh, approaches her, woos her, and sleeps with this woman. Both of them are sin, right? So sin is sin, but watch this. The consequence of this sin is much greater than the consequence of... So they sin, but the type of sin that you committed provokes a consequence from God where he don't just slap your hand. He said, I'm getting rid of. She said, oh, y'all. See, I'm, I'm glad you saved. <laughs> she like, you better be. So look at this, First Samuel number 15, chapter number 15. This is when God is getting ready to manifest what he's been promising now for generations. Because in 1 Samuel, Moses is gone. He told Moses to write it down for Joshua. Joshua is now gone. Joshua had to pass this on to other generations. Now King Samuel, excuse me, King Saul is in position. And what I've been promising, the annihilation of the entire people, because they, oh, Jesus. Remember last week when I said, touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm? Y'all remember that? See, this is the crazy thing about that, is that everybody that's a prophet don't have a title. And everybody that's a prophet don't necessarily look like a prophet. Are y'all with me in this place? When Prophet Greer came here, he didn't look just like no prophet. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble talking about the prophet. Because y'all know what happened in the Bible when they talked about the prophet. Lions came out and ate them. 
she bears. Say again. Jesus, he sure can. <laughs> First Samuel 15, 2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Talking to, talking to the prophet who's getting ready to communicate this to Samuel. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites. God is furious still. Attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. You, you, let, me, let me calm you down because there's some people that look at scriptures like I'm getting ready to read and, and they try to, you know, throw stones at the Bible. He says, do not spare them. Put to death, watch this, men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. Understand, God says, I'm going to annihilate them, get the revelation, because they tried to annihilate Jesus. <laughs> the children of Israel were in a very vulnerable position. They came out of slavery with nothing. And the Amalekites came to wipe them out. Had they been successful, Jesus is coming through Abraham's seed. And if had they been successful, there wouldn't be no Jesus. So this is their punishment. I want you to completely annihilate the nation. Verse number seven declares, then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Now watch this. God told him to kill every man, woman, boy, girl, Sheep, cattle, donkey, everything. He took, verse number eight, King Agag, uh, Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. But the people he destroyed. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep. What did God tell him to do, y'all? He said everything. And the best of the sheep and cattle and fat calves and uh, fat calves and lambs and everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So they, they did this like a buff, buffet. Green beans look bad, so I get the asparagus. Everything that looked crippled as if it couldn't profit us, I'm going to leave that here. Excuse me, I'm going to kill that, but the stuff that looked like it could profit me, that's the stuff I'm going to take with me. So Samuel... God speaks to him in verse number 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Now, two things before we go into what I want to deal with. Two things that Samuel is going to say to King Saul that's relevant to this message of pride. He says, although you were once small in your own eyes, there was a time when you had a greater reverence for God because you had a greater reverence for what he said about your life. Now the tables have turned where your words are just as relevant as his word. Now you say, well, I, I honor the word, no, with your mouth, but not with your lifestyle. It was the time, Jesus. I'm, I'm going through my own life. There was, there was a time, there was time, I see times in my life where I was in very humble 
circumstances. And when I say humble, I'm not talking about I was walking in humility. No, it was, it was all hell breaking out, and it humbled me, and it forced me to exalt God's word above mine because I came to the conclusion that my word and my way ain't working, so let me try something that is working. So I exalted his word, and, and my life was little in my own eyes. But sometimes when you achieve certain levels of success, it, it's not his word that's at the height. Now you start considering your own thoughts and your own words and your own ways. He said, there was a time when I told you to do something, you'll do it to the T. But now with a little success in your life, although you were once small, once, at one time small in your own eyes, did, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? You know humility is what exalted you. So why are you going to let pride demote you? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. Look what he's going to say, uh, verse number 23. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance, pride, like the evil of idolatry. This is, this is what he's focusing on. Pride, the sin of pride is all about self. If we want to just put a simple definition to pride, it's when you consider what you want to do above what God wants to do. Well, this is just how I is. This is just how I is. I, I know what the Bible says, but this is how I. No, no, no. And, and this thing, somebody said this is serious. Can you imagine being Superman with kryptonite in your briefcase? I mean, somebody say something to you going off on you, and you're like, do you know who I am? You know who I am. There's an S under this in shirt. And so they finally push you, and you're like, ah. Only to get whooped because you got kryptonite in your... Y'all remember, uh, I think it was first or second Superman when he fell in love with Lois Lane and lost his mind and gave up his power. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> Baby, you just have to be super. You understand, I can't be dehumanized. No, we're going to have to figure out another way. And he got on the glasses and he's in the bar and the guy, he's like, <laughs> The thing about pride is that you can have it, don't even know you got it. Let me tell you what's so dangerous about that because the Bible declares pride comes before what, y'all? When you got pride in your life, you're guaranteed to fall. So the, the issue is, if I got it in me and having it in me guarantees my fall, I need God to help me rec to recognize if it's there and then to help me to process it out. Can somebody say amen to that? Because the people that are the most prideful, they themselves don't know it. And when you address them, they call you jealous. <laughs> so so this, this is what I want to do, man. I, I want to help because every message that comes across here, um, I, I, God first challenges me, and then after challenging me, my brother, Henry, right? That's my dude. Where my membership card is at? <laughs> every message that comes across the pulpit that first challenges me, and, and, and then after I'm challenged, then I have to challenge you guys. So I'm, I'm going to take you guys through just a, a test that I had to test myself and recognize areas that Pastor McGee, 
I need, I need to watch that. Are, are y'all ready for this? So, so just, just taking my time. This, this is a study that um, my girl June Hunt did. And um, she, she did the acronym of SELF. And I want to just highlight the acronym SELF. The S stands for Selling Out to the World's Concept of Success. Now, you might be in trouble already if you can't give a biblical definition of success. Because if you don't know what the Bible says about success, then that leaves you vulnerable to what the world has to offer as a definition of what success really is. She highlights three concepts associated with selling out to the world's concept of success. Achievement, affluence, and ability. Achievement, accomplishments, and recognitions define my value in life. What I do define what I've achieved define who I am. Power, wealth, things, and status dictates my significance in life. You don't got to raise your hand, but how many of y'all feel just a little bit better when you get a check? Be like, yeah. Be honest. Don't raise your hand, but think about it. How many of y'all feel bad when you broke? There's a, there's a potential that you might be allowing power, wealth, things, and status to dictate your significance in life. Ability, education, skills, talent, and personality determine how far I will go. Not, not God's grace, not his hand on my life, not operating the principles of the word, but based on what I do alone determines how far I'm going. S is for selling out. E is for elevating self-worth by attaining worldly goals. Possession, popularity, power. Possessions, I am as good as what I own. In the end, the one with the most toys wins. Popularity. I must be liked and respected by everyone on Facebook. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand, how many of y'all know some people that get depressed when they don't get likes on Facebook? Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all constantly check your Facebook status to see how many likes you got on the picture you posted? Power. I have to know more, do more, be more, and I must always be in control because power defines me. The L is for lifting the burden of guilt. If you want my slides, my wife will have them and she'll email them. I've already emailed them to you, baby, so y'all can have them. Lifting the burden of guilt for sin through personal performance. Jesus. Through self-righteousness, good works, perfectionism. Watch this. I need others to see me as a good person. Therefore, I can never be vulnerable or reveal my weaknesses. Self-righteousness. Um, I, I mentioned this last week. I'm reading, well, I'm, I'm done with it now. Uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. 
emotionally healthy spirituality. That is a must read for any and everybody that's serious about spiritual growth because it's impossible for you to grow spiritually while remaining emotionally immature. Some of you trying to grow in God, but you stuck as a 12-year-old girl. And he tells this story of, did I talk about this last week? I didn't, did I? I'm gonna talk about it anyway. What y'all gonna do, leave? <laughs> yes, <laughs> y'all gonna leave. <laughs> so let me hurry it up. Uh, he, he talks about, um, he, he was a pastor, and um, this couple comes to him and asks if they could have dinner at his house. And um, this couple goes to a church that his friend pastors. And so he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. So he invited them over. He told the wife, didn't even ask. He just told them they're coming over. And he tells the story how obnoxious this guy is because all he's doing is talking, 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 talking. And he says, I'm sitting there just smiling, shaking my head, wondering when he's going to just at least pause to breathe so somebody else can say something. And so his, his wife says, have, have you seen our daughter? And he says, no, I, I hadn't seen her. So they continue to talk, continue to talk, continue to talk. And his wife says, no, where is our baby? And he says, I don't know. So she goes out in the backyard, and the little girl is face down in the pool. Now, she lives, they call, you know, ambulance, medical emergency. She lives, but that drastically changed his life because he says, I was lying to myself. He said, I never wanted them to come over. I wanted to be with my wife, and I faked the entire dinner, smiling, acting if I was interested. He said I was lying, but I didn't know initially why I was, why I was lying. He said when I really processed it, this is the reason I was lying, because I had more concern about what they thought about me versus what I needed to be doing with my family. He said I had more concern about what they were going to go back and tell my pastor friend about me versus who I really was. I was lying to myself because I care too much about what other folks thought about me. My brother was dealing with self-righteousness, pride. I need others to see me as a good person. Good works, I feel most valued and significant when I do good things and help others. Perfectionism, I must never fail or be seen as less than perfect, so I work hard to do whatever is necessary to never make mistakes. There are some of you guys, you battle with pride and you don't even know it because pride is couched under perfectionism. There's a certain image that you want people to see when they look at you and you will do whatever in the world to maintain that image because you don't want people to see anything less than that. Pride. The F is, foc is for focusing on self. Through self-centered, Self-reliance, self-indulgence, self-centeredness, me, my, mine. I am more important than others. Everyone should do what I want and need. Self-reliance, I can't depend on anyone else. If it's going to get done right, I have to do it myself. I said amen three or four times. Not knowing that's pride. So, Pastor McGee, you think that you're the only one that could do it? Sister Yuka was in here. We had a, a failure with the system early this morning. Sister Yuka um, 
I mean, she was on it. She was on it. She didn't need my help, but she got it. And I ain't add nothing to it. I ain't even do it. She found the problem. But I just knew I was going to find the problem. As if she's not capable to do it. Self-indulgent. What Sister Yuka at? Where's she at? Stand up, Sister Yuka. Can y'all bless the... I, I said stand, stand. Can y'all bless the love of Sister Yuka? I just knew I was going to help you this morning. And you was going to be like, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. You're the greatest. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's okay. <laughs> Self-indulgence. I want it. I deserve it. I'll get it in whatever way I can. I saw this in myself because I saw this in myself. Now, I've been, I've been doing pretty good. I've been doing pretty good um, with my exercising, with my eating habits. And um, the, the devil hadn't been using my wife as much lately. <laughs> as much. Because she'll come, you know, and she'll, she'll be like, you want some ice cream? No. It ain't fun eating ice cream by yourself. You know, she'll say stuff like that. And so what'll happen is, I'll be thinking about how hard I've been working for the past two weeks. And I'll be like, you know what? Brother do deserve some ice cream. You know what I'm saying? I've been working pretty hard. Pride says I deserve it. I don't deserve ice cream. Watch this. Greg the third and Greg the fourth, they need their granddaddy and their great granddaddy around. So with certain things, certain sacrifices that I got to make in order to be around for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren, because my wife said, you're going to be a whole, and it's interesting. She said she's going to be 106. She never said, I'm going to make it to 100. <laughs> she just never, she just said, I'm leaving God. I'm going to make it to 100. I ain't never heard her say, and I believe my husband too. <laughs> Y'all pray for this. Y'all pray for this. part of pride when you get to a place when you think you deserve to cheat, you deserve to sin. You got to be careful leaving in a marriage. Your wife not putting out the way you think that she's supposed to be putting out and the opportunity avails itself and you think I deserve it because if she wasn't doing, if she was doing what she was supposed to be doing, I wouldn't have this fire like this. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. A man on a job compliments you more than your husband does and so things become a little bit more casual between you two and maybe you not get in the bed but you start letting your guards down because you feel as though I deserve to be treated like a lady you don't deserve to sin that's pride so 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 what I, I want to help this is and I'm, I'm I'm almost done so so this is the if if I was to say the foundation of pride it's self, selfishness, self-centeredness. Okay, that's, that's like the foundation. There's something that undergirds pride, and, and it's called the needs of the human heart. That's, that's the, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't even, I can't even give you an analogy, but if pride is the sin, the root of that sin is selfishness, and what feeds your selfishness is the needs of the human heart. 
let me show you what the three primary needs of the human hearts are. Number one, love. Number two, significance. Number three, uh, security. Love to know that someone is unconditionally committed to my best interest. Interest. Significance to know that our lives have meaning and purpose. Security to feel accepted and a sense of belonging. I'm done, but I need you to hear this. If I wrestle with pride, the foundation of pride is self-centeredness. The reason I'm selfish is because I'm not getting something that I feel I need. Therefore, I got to get in my flesh and get it myself. So instead of waiting on God, I'm going to pursue love my own way. Instead of waiting on God, I'm going to do something to bring about a source of significance. Instead of trusting God, I'm going to fortify my own self and be my own security company. So I said, God, what is, what is the root? What is, what, is the, what is the cure for pride? Because when you, when you look in the Bible, I'm, I'm tripping because I'm looking for one, two, three steps. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, step-by-step guy. The cure, the scripture just says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Well, how, how you do that? Just, just, humble, just, just humble yourself. This is how you humble yourself. Ecclesiastes number three, verses number 11. This is powerful. Jot this verse down. Jot, jot this verse down because I want you to go home and read this. Yeah. The word that I'm going to highlight, eternity, in some versions, it's, it's world. Uh, KJV, I know it's world, but most Uh, modern translations, it's the word eternity that I'm going to highlight in this scripture. Look at this. And I'm going to my seat. Jesus. The writer says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted, somebody shout eternity. Eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end so so this is what God has done Jesus every man woman boy girl that's born into this world listen to me you born with an emotional void in your heart You're born with a a void in your heart. And in this void, it's an eternal void. And because it's an eternal void, only an eternal God can fill it. So when you get in your flesh and you try to fill it yourself, you become, Samuel said, arrogance is as the sin of idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of self in this particular context. So you start worshiping your own effort, trying to fill the hole that only God can fill. So what happens? You drug yourself to death. You will drink yourself to death. You will sex yourself to death. Whatever your sin is, whatever your generational iniquity is, you will continue to do it, continue to do it, just for temporary fulfillment, trying to fill a hole that can never be filled by your effort. It's not until you come to the place where you yield yourself and allow Jesus. And you allow God to fill that void in your life. If selfishness is the root of 
pride. Unmet needs is what provokes my selfish acts. And I'm telling you today, I don't care how long you continue to sin or how degrading you sin, how low you go, at the end of the day, there's nothing you're going to be able to do in your own effort, my friend, to fill this hole in your heart. And that many of you guys, you won't make a move, and the reason you won't make a move is because life had happened to you hard enough. Sometimes it takes life really happening to you for you to realize just how empty you are. Because as long as you're the life of the party and everybody is around you and everything is going good, money is great, job is great, promotion is great, watch this, things are great, but you still got a hole in your heart. <sighs> it's not until sometimes you come into humbling situations that you realize, I, I'm empty on the inside. I'm empty on the inside. Here's the good news today. Jesus wants to fill you and what Jesus wants to do in you has nothing to do with your performance of the past. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.